Hey, welcome back to another episode of Smoke Signals. This is Justin Latta. Before we get started, I just wanted to let everybody know the news that we do have a new Indians Baseball Insider site. It is IndiansBaseballInsider.com again. Um, it is an independently run site. It's live with all of our 2020 content on there. Uh, we do have lots of free content for you to read over at the new site, and we're also going to be connected with Patreon. If you don't know what Patreon is, um, it is a subscriber or content platform that allows you to create content just for your subscribers with different tiers. Um, so we encourage you to check out the new site and uh, look at all the features that we're going to be putting out um, through Patreon. It's going to be a lot of the same with the old site. Um, the top 50 prospect countdown, uh, diamonds in the rough, the cutting room floor, weekly game or game reports, weekly notebooks, um, all the stuff you saw in the previous version of IBI is going to come over with us. Um, just with a new tier for subscribers, um, actually going to be a lot cheaper than it was over at Scout and, and 24-7 Sports. So head on over to the new site, see what we have to offer. And um, if you're inclined, if you have the ability and you're interested, uh, check out through Patreon. We have a $3 or $6 tier. Um, it shows you what you get with each of those tiers. So uh, we know money is of the essence and um, careful. everybody's being careful right now and um, so if you're interested in reading that content and you have the means to do so, we'd appreciate you checking out that page and, uh, check out the new site. There's plenty of free content to see there as well. And, and let us know what you think. Uh, enjoy the episode and, uh, thanks for visiting the new site if you do. Well, nobody's fed us to the tigers. Nobody has, uh, rubbed any sardine oil on us so i think we're safe uh smoke signals i'm justin latta willie hood's with me willie how you doing how's everything going on your end doing good just trying to not uh lose my wine mind watching reruns now of the tiger king <laughs> yeah i i uh you know i watched the first episode of that like uh, two weeks ago when it first came out like the first weekend and i was like ah eh, it's okay like it doesn't really draw me in and then i think i saw everybody like on twitter just going on about it so of course once you hear everybody else talking about it like okay i have to get in and see what this is and everyone was posting yep. memes and i didn't understand the memes so i was like okay i have to understand this and i'm glad i watched because it was a fantastic distraction for two nights <laughs> hilarious it's a uh, definitely it was a train wreck for sure yeah uh, i will say this i think the indians are the tiger kings because they have dominated them so they are, yeah, with seven, not 17, so what are they doing? They went 15 games last year against them, I want to say. I, I think it was. That's not bad. So I don't know if that makes them Joe Exotic or if that makes them Carol Baskin. Uh, well, I hope they're not Joe, Indians are not Joe Exotic, because if they are, then uh, <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of issues. There. Kind of, well, that's, that's probably not, not for our podcast. I don't want them, I don't want them to slap a, uh, <laughs> an R rating or an explicit on our podcast for yeah we we've already spent enough time there I think yeah that uh, if you haven't seen Tiger King I highly recommend if you needed a good distraction other than you know listening to our podcast hopefully that delivers a distraction um, yeah. and it's informative but if you need a, a good like couple hour distraction I don't know there was like seven episodes and they were each like 45 to 50 minutes yeah I, I would go watch those because it's just pure ridiculousness and um highly entertaining and a great way to just get your mind off of anything because the whole time you're just sitting there watching with your mouth open like 
these people are real like this is real it just it doesn't seem like a real show anyway <laughs> you'll be mad and laugh the next few minutes so it, yeah. it definitely touches uh, different different emotions and different feelings and diff- different sentiments i don't want to ruin the series for folks but uh, it's definitely a, a interesting watch and as i said it's a train wreck so one that you can't walk away from let us know if you think Carol Baskin is guilty. That's all I'll say. Let us know. We, we want to know your opinions on, on Carol Baskin's uh, conscious or uh, if she's guilty or not guilty. Anyway, so we decided to get together and do a podcast because there has been some updates on the MLB draft, even though there's really no end in sight for when there's going to be a baseball season. But what we do know is that the uh, MLB is feeding the draft to the Wolves, um, so, so, so to speak. They've, we're going to reduce the 2020 draft into five to ten rounds. I think you had mentioned, Willie, really, that it's probably looking like ten. Is that what you read? Yeah, Craig Mish, one of the Marlins writers, said he feels like it's going to be ten. Uh, Kylie McDaniels, I believe, also said that the scouting um, departments from numerous organizations are pushing for ten. Um, things I've read on Baseball America, they're saying that scouting departments are pushing for 10. So it sounds like it might be 10. Um, they have the option to make it more, but it sounds like uh, the owners are really leery about spending this additional money when they're not sure if these players are going to end up playing at all this year or not. And in some aspect, that's understandable. But then again, it's hard for me to have a whole lot of sympathy for billionaire owners. Um, but I'll, I'll leave that said there. Yeah, yeah, it is, there is a lot of uncertainty. I don't really know the money portion of this. It is what it is. Um, you know, there's all kinds of details that are going on. They're going to defer the draft payouts to, to these kids, so whoever gets drafted. I think when it's a day, they get 100K this year, and then it's deferred from after that. So let's say the Indians pick um... – We'll use Daniel Espino as the prime example last year. Um, he made $2.5 million. He would only receive 100000 of that and then two consecutive payouts to pay off the remaining balance. So so next year, the next two years, he would receive $1.2 million over the next two years and only get 100000 up front. So it, it's kind of uh, getting getting the product now and borrowing it and then paying for it later on. Uh, for the owners and with no cash flow or, or minimal cash flow and revenue right now and taxes and things that the owners still have to pay. Um, you know, it, it's understandable that they want to reduce costs. Um, but my concern goes back to teams like the Indians that are dependent upon uh, developing their own young talent. You know, let's say if they had went the nuclear option and blown the draft up entirely, then you lose the likes of a, a, a Shane Bieber Aaron Savali, Zach Plesak, that all came from one draft class. That's not mentioning guys like Will Benson, Nolan Jones, and Connor Capel, who ended up getting traded for Oscar Mercado, you know, and then some late-round guys even. You know, you have uh, Samad Taylor, who was drafted in the 10th round, and he was traded to the Blue Jays for uh, Joe Smith, and and Smith came in, I think it was 2017, and uh, really helped stabilize the bullpen for the Tribe. Uh, they also traded Ryder Ryan, who was a 30th round draft pick for the Indians in 2016, to the um, to the Mets for Jay Bruce. So these guys are not inconsequential 
who come in the later rounds. There's a lot of talent that can be found there. Um, but the ultimate thing is, is filling out the big league roster and feeding, feeding talent upward, so to speak, to the big league roster. And that's what really matters for the tribe and developing these pieces and, and getting them to the big show. To be fair, on the Ryder Ryan trade, the Indians did uh, pick up a hefty portion of Jay Bruce's remaining salary. And I remember the Yankees wouldn't. And I remember, and, and this is obviously a different time because this wasn't the case last year. Um, the Indians picked up the remaining check, which is why they only had to give the Mets Ryder Ryan and the Yankees didn't get Jay Bruce. I remember the Indians posting a tweet saying, um, Jay Bruce is on our team and not the Yankees because our owner, our owner decided to write a check. Boy, those, those seem like good times to, to remember. And heck, I'd even love to go back to arguing about whether or not the Dolans were spending enough money on the roster. I would love to go back to arguing about that, sad as it is. Yes. But yeah. I, I think the good old days. Right. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I mean, that 2016 draft class alone, you know, Savali, Plesak, Bieber, and then you have Nolan Jones in there and some other guys. That's a huge draft class for them. Like you said, Connor Capel. That really does stink for those players. And, and this was generally supposed to be a pretty good draft class, especially for college pitching. Um, Absolutely. I feel bad for those kids. Now, it seems like, and I just saw this today too, and um, so, you know, a lot of those kids – are going to get an extra year of eligibility, which is nice. Um, I did see the Ivy League did not choose to do that. So anybody who was a senior this year for the Ivy League is screwed, which, you know, for lack of a better term. And I feel bad for those kids. I know the Indians have drafted um, some of those kids. I know not highly, but like David Spear, who I think is still in the minor league system, for them, a left-handed reliever went to Columbia. That's an Ivy League school, right? He was, he was with the uh, Clippers last year. I think he's still on the roster last time I saw. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's talent to be had there. Just because they go to a Ivy League school doesn't mean these guys aren't talented. There's some talented guys that come through there, you know. Um, usually the, the more talented guys end up at other schools or end up turning pro before they pursue an education. But uh, there's still talent to be had from the – from the Ivy League. So it does impact these, these guys. But I, I would uh, also counter that with that, you know, by the time they're a senior, a, a lot of these teams know what these guys are, but it also kind of throws them in that uh, undrafted free agent pool more than likely. And, and with that being reduced to a, a $20,000 signing bonus, that's really not a lot of cash, but to be honest with you, 280 players last year signed for $20,000 or less. And most of those are your college seniors. Yeah, I mean, this really hurts leverage. Like you have, you're going to next year, if there's a 2021 draft, and obviously this agreement that the players and the MLB agreed to, which it's unbelievable that, you know, we, we both don't agree. You and I, if anybody follows us on Twitter, anybody would know that you and I both do not agree with Rob Manfred's stuff in the draft. But the big thing to hear is, to me is that the MLB players and their agents and Tony Clark are sitting at the bargaining table with Rob Manfred and the owners and, and the rest of the major league baseball. And they're deciding the future for players that aren't even in the union yet. Like they're making decisions on college and high school baseball players. Like these kids don't have their own representation, which is absolutely amazing to me. And I get why they don't because like, you don't know who's going to get drafted. It's hard for them to tell like 
who's going to make it, who's going to be signed, who's going to go to college, especially for the high school kids. Like maybe one thing if it was a college senior, but it's just amazing to me that, you know, you've got players that are, have 10 years in the majors have made their money and they're out here deciding the future for some high school kid or some college junior or sought redshirt sophomore. Like you're deciding this kid's future. He has no say in it. That is completely to, to me entirely, you know, four letter word up. I'm not going to say the word, but <laughs> it, it's messed up. It's not, me- I can't like, could you imagine, could you imagine you're in, you're in college and your, your future employer and people who work at your job now are deciding the future for you in this industry 10 years, you know, like a year or two down the line and you have no say in it. Like how, how are you going to have no say in your own bargaining agreement? that You're going to be a part of a few months from now. And, and, and they're totally screwing them too, by reducing the draft and agreeing to these things. Like they conceded to a lot of these things because they want it better for the short term. And, and that's just, I get it, but at the same time, it's, you know, the Players Association, I think, has as much to, to be blamed for as Rob Manfred does, to be honest. Absolutely agree with you. Um, Tony Clark and the players came into agreement with them. The owners want to reduce um, money, and they often target the ones who are not represented at the table. Uh, anytime they can pinch pennies and reduce their salaries, they're they're reducing salaries by means of reducing the sheer volume of players. So in essence, next year, these players are going to get a, a pay increase. Uh, but what they're going to do is reduce the number of minor leaguers, or, or that's what it appears to be happening to me. Um, it looks like if the coronavirus continues on the way it is and minor league teams can only play a half of the season, there could be up to three teams that hold and that's exactly the number that uh, Manfred wanted to uh, cut last year. He's talking about uh, getting it down from 160 to 120 teams and reducing the number of, of teams that play in Arizona and Dominican League as well. Um, I, I feel like it's overreaching. I feel like he is uh, using this opportunity. He's not missing this opportunity. I think he's missing a, another opportunity, which is to promote the draft like the NFL draft and make the draft an event. Um, but we can get into that a little bit more later. I, I really feel like, you know, these, the minor league players, when I read what was going on, I was, I was angry, to be honest with you. I was very upset knowing that these guys are, are really trying to rub two pennies together to make it. A lot of them will, will, um, skip meals and, and um, you know, they're just struggling with very minimal uh, income from teams that make millions and millions of dollars. You know, I, I have a, a heart for the minor league players. I'll just put it that way. And it really upset me to see them be taken advantage of in this way. Uh, the reduction of players um, <clears throat> is a reduction of opportunities for them. A lot of these guys are going to be forced back to school now some who wanted to turn pro um, is a hundred thousand dollar signing bonus uh, enough to, to leer or, or to lure some of these guys to, to come into the pros knowing that your money's coming in the future. It, it might be, but it may send some other guys to school. Um, your mid tier uh, college talent, let's say they, they only go with five rounds of talent. So you go um, your guys that would normally sign for 250,000, 150,000, um, 
we're talking rounds six through 10, you cut those rounds off and, and that's some talented players. You know, I, I mentioned to you earlier in, in an earlier conversation that that's losing guys like Josh Tomlin, Roberto Perez, Jim Tomei, um, James Karinchak more recently. He was a ninth round draft pick signed for, I think, $140,000. You know, these are guys that aren't going to be in the minor league system. And this, this layer of talent, so to speak, is important for a team like the tribe that is absolutely dependent upon having uh, talent that's deep in the system and developing. They cannot afford, regardless of what we think and what we say, they can't afford to compete with the Yankees for, for uh, Garrett Coles and, and these big name free agents that are out there. Can they do it every once in a while? Can they, can they sign Lindor maybe, but can they do that on a consistent basis? They can't. And, for them, it's more important to have these minor league players signed, developing, and coming through the system, you know, and developing a pitching pipeline, you know, before they, they appeared to. We talked a little bit about the, the draft class of Shane Bieber. Well, what about a more recent draft class? What, what if they lost guys like Noah Naylor, Ethan Hankins, um, Lenny Therese? Let's say all of those guys was in this, this coming draft class. Um, all of them are, were high schoolers when they were selected, all from the same class. And what if this happened with that group of talent? All of these guys are some of the Indians' top prospects now. These are guys that are hanging out in the top 20, top 10. Um, Hankins and Naylor, top, what, five, or in that top five, top 10 discussion. Um, so losing that kind of talent to go to, to go to college, you know, it loses an opportunity for the tribe to add talent to the system to me. Um, and then it, it then it sends some guys to JUCO next year who want to sign. Um, so they'll turn around and come back into the draft next year when there's tw 20 rounds. Some of your college talent, you know, that would fall in that six to 10 round range. Uh, those guys may end up back in school. Some of them may take less money now. That, that, so they, they've kind of been leveraged and penny pinched, in my opinion, um, over, over hundreds of thousands of dollars that these owners can afford, you know, and Frankly, it's sickening and, and it's frustrating as a fan and someone who loves baseball and cheers on the minor leaguers until they make it to the major leagues, you know. Um, it's disappointing to see the, the players union just feed these players to the wolves continually and they seem to be the ones who are constantly targeted by the owners. And then, you know, the, the players union and Tony Clark, they agreed to this deal. What they did is they they guaranteed themselves a $170 million payout. So there's $300,000 per player who are, who are on each roster and that will be paid out to the players. And, and, you know, if there is a season, then there'll be uh, prorated pay for them. And uh, essentially what they have done is guaranteed themselves a, a small payday or a guaranteed payday while they threw away the future of a lot of their future union members, I might add. Yeah, that, see, that's the thing I just don't understand is how they can sit there and not give a shot to the future people, the future players. Like, you have to look at who's for who's in front of you. And I, I, I it's just, it's not going to grow the sport. I mean, you're going to take away opportunities from kids who, could help grow the sport. Now, Trevor Bauer, for instance, you know, I, I think a lot of us feel that Trevor Bauer, if you're a baseball fan, is fantastic promoting the game. And he's had a lot of good ideas and has put out a lot of great content, you know, during this, this uh, suspended season. 
and he was going to get drafted the way he was really good. But if you miss out on an opportunity for guys like that, I mean, it's bad enough. They don't do a great enough job marketing their big, big name players. And the game is already very, already lacks visibility in terms of like um, ML, MLB TV blackouts and RSNs um, not showing games. Like for six years, the, um, the Dodgers games couldn't be seen by um, most LA, LA Dodgers fans because of the cable rights issue. Like that's a huge issue as it is. You already have your, you already have a lot of problems that are fixable. And then on top of it, you're going out and you're making it harder for future players to become part of the game and help grow it. And like you said, this really hurts their ability to put the draft in central thinking a lot. Of, now, would, I mean, would teams be at a bit of a disadvantage drafting 40 rounds this year? Because there's a lot of guys who they're not going to see play because of there's, you know, they're not going to see a lot of baseball in the spring or in 2020, if any, like, yeah, I, I think a lot of teams would probably have less to go on. But like you said, by the time there's, these guys are seniors, teams have a full book on him, on, on guys, especially the Indians. Like the Indians are looking at full thing. The Indians don't look at just one season. They look at your entire history. So unless you're a pop-up prospect, you know, a guy that just starts popping this year, you know, you're not going to get hurt by this. And I, I think it's just like you said, it's really a cash flow issue. I think it's just there. I think it feeds right into what Rod, Rod Manfred wanted to do. I think it feeds into him wanting to eliminate minor league teams. And by cutting the draft and, and calling it a financial issue for teams um, for this year and next year, it, it helps them twofold to say, well, we can't draft all these players because we don't have the money. And then in turn, we don't have enough players to feed to these teams, so you've got to eliminate some. I think it just feeds right in. And it, you know what? It's extremely shameful that Rob Manfred is going to use a medical pandemic, a, a worldwide crisis to cut not only minor league teams, but you're, he, I don't think he's even thinking about it as a, as an economic issue. I mean, you're not growing the game. Like you, you live closer to uh, Mahoning Valley than you do Cleveland. Yeah. You get rid of them. That's a huge loss for that, for that city not to have that team. Um, it's an opportunity to get fans become baseball fans. It helps the Indians turn players, people down there into fans to get them to want to drive up and see, Oh, I saw, you know, um, Francisco Lindor play for the scrappers in 2010. I want to go see him play in the majors and in 2016, like that's how you turn people into fans. You don't do it by, by cutting off local sources. Like, there are a lot of states that don't have major league baseball um, and they only have minor league baseball. Like, like think about this too, New York, such a big state and your two teams are in Eastern New York and, and Queen and um, you know, New York city and Flushing. Okay. So you've got across the state, you've got Buffalo, um, you've got Rochester, you've got um, Binghamton. I don't know. Yeah. Binghamton. I mean, they had Jamestown for a while, and they got rid of that. Buffalo. There are Buffalo. I mean, there are so many teams in Western New York that can help c- connect people to the Major League game. You know, they can go to these cities and watch players, and they can become fans of them at the Major League level. And I guarantee you, Rob Manford gets all that. So, this is, to me, this is purely money driven. I don't see any other way around it other than, like, I get the arguments. They're saying, like, you know, is it really fair to 
have to draft, you know, a guy in the 39th round just so the guys, guys in the top 10 rounds have a full team to play around them. Okay, maybe not. Like, I don't know. It's, it's a, I, I get that aspect of it, but to me, this is all money-driven. I think it's, it's okay, you want, you want to ask minor league players to stop being paid 15 grand a, uh, a year? Okay, well, we'll pay them 30 grand a year, but guess what? Now there's going to be 100 less players. So instead of paying everybody 30 grand anyway, we're just going to cut off, you know, whatever 15 grand times 300 players is and just reallocate that funds. And we're going to give them more anyway. Like they're not, they're not making things better. You're making things better for maybe the players that are still going to be around. I don't know. You know what? I, I could even get on board with reducing the draft this year because of the issues going on, but not 10 rounds. I mean, 20, maybe you want to cut half the draft. Okay. Maybe you can get a couple kids that were going to go late in the draft to go to Juco and come out next year. Juco is a good option for a lot of kids because you don't have to stay two years at the college. There are a lot of good Juco's out there. It's a little more, well, I don't really know if you can harp on the financial aspect. I know Juco in general is cheaper than obviously a four-year school, but you know, the pandemic obviously affects that as well. Um, but in general, that's a, that's, a, that's a good option for guys who don't want to go to four-year schools but aren't comfortable going pro yet. Like, I don't know. I, I keep going back to why does baseball hate itself? Why does baseball keep making decisions to hurt itself rather than grow the game? And that's all the way up from TV blackouts to this draft stuff. I don't understand that. I, I, don't, think, I don't think they're doing anything to help the game. And I get there's a, a – a lot of the owners are billionaires. Should we really care about their money? Probably not. Um, but if we want baseball long-term, we have to think about something. I don't know. Um, and you want to know something else that factors into this we can talk to talk about next podcast we're going to do is they should be using this time to hammer out a new bargaining agreement too so there's no player strike in 2022. So they don't go three, three years with one season if there's no season this Absolutely. year. I think that's I think I've ranted on long <laughs> enough, but you know, I don't. I don't think you and I disagree on any of this. I think we both agree. Rob Manfred's doing a terrible job handling this, even if we don't know all the details. Um, I don't like what Tony Clark has done. I don't like what the players are doing because I. I don't know who. I don't know who the players and who Tony Clark is getting advice from. I do remember the last bargaining agreement that was signed, like what three years ago, two years ago that agents weren't allowed in part of negotiations, that they shut the people, players were shutting agents out, which is stupid because the agents are looking out for player interest because it's in the agent's best interest for the players to have the best interest. Because it's good business for them. I don't understand why they shut the agents out of that negotiation. So all around, everyone I think is doing not a great job at, at helping the game in a time of crisis in the future. I think we should just let Trevor Bauer decide the fate of baseball from now on, honestly. I think Trevor Bauer is the baseball star. I'm I'm done with her. I'm done with I'm done with Rob Manfred. I'm done with Tony Clark. Just let Trevor Bauer make all the decisions about Major League Baseball from here on out. I would definitely buy into that. And I would definitely uh think that would be a lot more interesting of a game if Trevor Bauer was in charge of Major League Baseball. And who knows, maybe one day he will be. I would love to see him be a player rep because uh, they need it right now. I don't feel like Tony Clark is doing a very good job um, 
other than feeding them to the wolves and guaranteeing a small payday for these major leaguers. Um, you know, I, I'm very frustrated with Manfred. I'm not a fan of his. Uh, I, I could even take it back to the all-star game, the Indians logo, however you feel about that. Um, it, it did feel kind of like a buy-off to me to get the all-star game the same year that the, the logo was removed. Um, I, I'll say this, uh, I love the Indians logo. I, I understand other people's concerns with it. My wife is Native American and a lot of my family is. Um, so I can understand both sides of it. I'm attached because I grew up in Northeast Ohio and I've always been an Indians fan and I know the love for Chief Wahoo. Uh, but I also get the, the side of it that, you know, uh, where folks feel like it's offensive. Um, <clears throat> So I, I try to look at it from both ends. Um, there's a lot to be said there. I don't want to get lost down that trail, but I, I, I have some frustration for Rob Manfred. And I feel a lot like he, he has really bought into that old axiom. I've said this several times on Twitter, but it's to not let a good crisis go to waste. And I don't remember if that was Saul Alinsky or if that came from the, uh, the art of war, uh, but whoever said that, they, they hit on it, and, and um, Rob Manfred has really grandized this, this situation, and it seems like you know he's used this to, he and the players using have definitely um, thrown the minor leaguers, and the future minor leaguers for that matter, to the Wolves. Um, you know, we're talking about reducing the, the um, cost for the draft for the owners this year and really let's say the Indians have uh, 10 picks or it'll be 11 picks because of the uh, compensation or the, the competitive balance pick that they get. So they would have 11 picks at uh, 100,000 per you're talking about $1.1 million that they would spend. That's a drop in the bucket for what they spend over the course of the season. I think their payroll was up between 90 and a hundred thousand or uh, 90 and a hundred million. Um, so spending on the draft, each team averaged about 10 million last year, but that, I mean, that's all 30 teams on average, but the Indians I think had a uh, $6 million or $7 million pool last year. So only spending $1 million this year, that, that tells you that's a dramatic drop off, but they're paying the $6 million over the course of the next two years. And then again, next year and in, in the 2021 draft, they're doing the same thing. They're deferring the payments um, and they're locking in the, uh, the pull allotments where the pull allotment is not going to rise. And, and frankly, they were only going to rise 3%. So that's not a lot of money. So generally, you know, that adds up to thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars when you go collectively over all of the picks. Um, but this is not a dramatic change. And, and really they're just nickel and diming the guys who aren't sitting at the table. And I find that disgusting and frustrating. Um, but I, I could definitely gripe and harp on this all day. But that's, that's like I said, I, I have a heart for the minor league players. I see the work that is put in. I have a lot of respect for a lot of them who are underpaid and underappreciated. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, we, like you said, we could sit here and talk about this all day. I definitely – I don't understand why you don't take into account your future union members and why you would – I mean, if you take account your future union members – doesn't that make your union stronger because you're setting up? I don't know a lot about unions, so maybe I'm wrong. 
doesn't that set up for a more stable union long term for everybody? I mean, a lot of these guys are just taking care of the here and now, and I get there's a lot of uncertainty right now because of this virus and whether or not there's going to be a season and, and what it looks like after this. But, I, I mean, don't you take care? I mean, and, and this goes back to the last bargain agreement. They didn't take care. Like, a lot of the stuff they agreed on in the last bargain agreement was um, was mostly, like, comfort, comfortability stuff. Like, I remember they argued for more club like club chefs or – more people in the clubhouse to like be able to cook meals and stuff like that. And um, more off days, you know, so the season started earlier so they could fit more off days in like, those were all comfort things. They weren't good for the, they weren't good for the benefit of the players long-term. They ignored so many problems to get all that stuff in there. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that agents weren't in the room negotiating with them. The agent is going to look out, like I said, is going to look out for the players' best interest because it's in the best business for them, for the players to have good benefits because it makes them more money. So I don't really know what's going on, but yeah, like you said, this is definitely as much on the players as it is Tony or and Tony Clark and Rob Manfred. But I don't know why they're. It's just hard for me to believe any other union. Like I said, I don't know a lot about unions, but I can't. And, and someone who was in a union told it said this to me that players association who make millions and millions of dollars shouldn't be considered a union it's a play it's association it's not a union like your typical union but if you're an association man i mean i would think you would want long-term stability and and good bargaining and benefits for your side no matter what and that includes future members this is what it's supposed to be i don't know well if you want to draw why if you want to draw the best athletes to your sport you don't do it by paying them the least in fact, you increase the pay of the minor leaguers. You give them better housing, give them better benefits. You make sure that they are taken care of from the ground level, and you're going to get a better product on the major league level. And instead, they're just trying to, you know, cut off, cut the corners. Basically, it's the old saying, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. That's what I feel like they're doing. They're cut, trying mm-hmm. to cut it out at the ground level. You don't build a house without a foundation. You know, give these guys a great foundation. Bring them into the minor leagues from college and high school. Feed them well, give them all the athletic trainers and stuff that they need, pay them well and take care of them. And you're going to get the athletes that you want in your sport and you're going to have uh, star athletes. I can't help but think of um, something we talked about a little while ago about minor leaguers and seeing a Lindor come from Mahoning Valley and then seeing him play in Cleveland. I remember when I lived in Erie, Pennsylvania, John Lynch was a pitcher from Stanford and he played for the Erie Sailors at the time. And now he went on to, to be what the GM of the San Francisco 49ers. He's a successful uh, NFL player and now a general manager. You know, So seeing, seeing where he went from being a pitcher with the Erie Sailors and being on that team to, to um, ending up in the NFL, you know, it's just, wow, I can remember him playing there. Um, seeing uh, guys like Fausto Carmona, who <laughs> a, a whole another podcast right there. But seeing him pitch when he was with uh, the captains and, and uh, seeing him in the minor leagues and some of the other guys that have come through the Indians over the years, you know, um, I think of MLB being a grassroots game. You, you start with the foundation, just the very basic, and it's where you reach your real fans, which is the minor league base, and you grow that. Hey, I remember watching this guy play when he was in A-ball, and you get, and you get fans watching the MLB game 
Um, I mean, that, that really brings me to a missed opportunity that I think that Manfred and, and MLB has had in reducing the NFL draft. First of all, they're going to miss talent, but they're also going to miss an opportunity to captivate a nation that's locked indoors right now, really. Um, most of the nation is, is in a shelter-in-place type mode right now because of this virus. And for those of us who are at home, you know, we would love to see Major League Baseball take this opportunity and turn it into something much more than what they've done. And instead of reducing the draft, spread it out, make it a multi-day event, use multiple studios, run pl plenty of pre-draft videos, um, make a couple of days where you just do some primer work and, and you talk about the best college players, the best high school players coming in. Utilize Zoom, Skype, and, and include the players and coaches and, and bring in some of them on the interviews during the draft. Promote the game. Interview the star players. Bring in Lindor and talk to him. Bring in Mike Trout and talk to him. Bring in your interesting guys like Mike Clevenger, uh, Trevor Bauer, and you know, bring in some of the experts, Ken Rosenthal. Bring in a Keith Law and interview him and, and get their, their stuff. And you can get these guys to do that from home. You know, they don't have to leave the house. They can they can Skype, they can Zoom, they can get on their phones and just take part of it. Expand the coverage. Use ESPN. Utilize Fox. I mean, ESPN is playing WrestleMania on Sundays. Who would have ever thought they would see that on there? I, I sure never would have. Um, but utilize ESPN and Fox mm -hmm. and, and the MLB network. Stream it on all three channels, you know. You have a nation of sports fans who are starved to death wanting some sort of sports action. And if they if they did that, I guarantee the views would pay off in the end and in the long run. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, and you would think too, because there there's if they feel like there's a lot of financial uncertainty right now because of this virus and when the next you know when games are going to get played and and stuff like that, you would think that doing that and and trying to use this time to make the most of promoting the game and trying to maintain visibility. I mean, I remember growing up and watching sports center and baseball was kind of, you know, you know, it was the big four. It was, um, you know, major league baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL. It was the big four, right? Like, I mean, I don't know to me NASCAR and tennis and all that other stuff didn't in golf weren't like in the big tiers of the four sports. And if you watch ESPN now, I would say 90% of their content, and even, even without this going on, I'm talking regular rotation of sports, regular year, you know, and, and all, their, all their shows, like whether it's Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith or any of those other talking heads, most people can't stand. <laughs> I know I can't. They're not talking, or, or, or even the ESPN shows like I used to like. PTI and Around the Horn were my two favorite shows on ESPN growing up. Um, and I was a little bit older when those shows came out, but I don't really recall how much they talk baseball in those shows anymore. Like until, until the Astros cheating scandal came out at the end of the off season going to spring training, they really never talked baseball. Like there just wasn't much for them to talk about even in season. And now it's almost to the point where baseball is not like the big, it's the big two. It's, it's NHL, it's or NHL, it's the NFL, yeah, NHL, NBA and the NFL are the big two, you know, it's, all their content, I mean, revolves around the NFL and the NBA. It's a daily discussion on this, 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 and this, and um, best players and highlights and 
you know, even NFL where games are played once a week, they talk about the same stuff over and over and over until the next game, which I can't stand. Baseball already fell back from that. And if they're not going to do anything to keep things visible during this time, you know, what happens when all this is over and, and sports come back? Like, are people going to be like, wow, I really missed the sport. I'm, like, I'm going to pay more attention to it now. Maybe, I hope so, but I feel like they're not going to benefit as much as the NFL and the NBA because, like you said, the NFL is still going to go on with their draft, and people were already saying this is going to be the highest-viewed draft ever. Well, probably. I mean, I, I don't really love the NFL. It's been a long time since I really loved football. Like, I like it, but I don't really love it. Am I going to watch the draft? You bet I will because it's sports, and it's, it's the only new real sports thing we're going to get that's happening in real time for who knows how long. Baseball could be part of that, but they chose not to. And I, even if they want to claim there's a financial aspect to it, I still don't think they're doing a good enough job to. They could have still right uti- utilized the deferral right. system that, they, that they're doing. They could have still implemented that, but they could, instead of reducing the draft, make this a three, four, or five-day event where you, where you hype it up, you introduce the players, because a lot of people won't know the players around the country utilize that opportunity utilize a couple of days in advance to show a lot of hey these are some of the best guys these are the five best college outfielders these are the five best college pitchers and and go through it like that kind of um do that and and prepare a primer where people are getting to see this content and then draw and drive interest that way and then the first night of the draft you know make it one round then do three rounds or whatever the next day and then finish out the draft the next the next portion of the day where you have experts come in and do some live coverage of it, uh, get some of the players on the phone, get them on Skype, get them on Zoom, bring them in and, and do some video interviews and stuff with the players who are excited to be there, who are excited to be drafted, um, get some of the coaches on there. As I said, you can interview guys like Ken Rosenthal, Keith Law, Jeff Passan, Kylie McDaniel, you know, uh, other guys who have a lot of knowledge around the game. Get them in and interview them. And take the opportunity to bring in some of the MLB players, Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor, who is who should be promoted a lot more by Major League Baseball, in my opinion, for, for his leadership, his bilingual, um, him being a bilingual leader, and, and just the um, oh gee whiz, the the um, face of baseball, I think, or I think he could be, and, and you really reach a lot of people with a guy like him, you know, and. Reach, reach a lot of the population and I mean he just he's just a good player that smile I mean it transcends you can tell he's having fun out there on the, on the diamond he's good with fans he says all of the right things which I've said multiple times but uh, I mean he's just somebody that you could use to market the game and they're missing it they're missing a huge opportunity in, in order to take advantage of players to to what save hundreds of thousands maybe a few million millions on the front and, and they're damaging the game, I think, in the long term because you're not going to bring in the best athletes this way. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't agree. I can't disagree with anything you just said. Those all sound like great ideas. And maybe they've talked about that. I just don't know what – I don't know. I would think the players would want to be involved. I, I mean, maybe not because they just screwed over all these kids. And maybe they don't want to be involved. I don't know. Maybe they don't care about the next set of kids. And someone else did mention this too, that um, – and I, I guess I too kind of get I do kind of get this to an extent, but not everything. So 
with less minor leaguers and less draft draft picks, you have a future effect on guys who, okay, so let's say it takes four years for a minor uh, of draft pick to get to the majors. Um, there's going to be less of those kids now because of this less, uh, this short mm-hmm. draft in the next year or two. Um, so you potentially save the job of some extra veterans um, who might have otherwise been released or, or not signed because teams have cheaper internal alternatives because of the draft because they draft so many players. So I think some of that is, is them saving their own jobs, I guess, four years from now, which I kind of get, but I don't know if they're really, like you said, it's almost like cutting off your nose despite your face. Like, I don't know if, if they're, if that's the goal, I don't know if they went about it the right way. I think that should have been accomplished more in the next bargaining agreement or the past bargaining agreement they, they screwed up. Um, and I, I think a lot, of, I think the fact that they had to make this decision to save themselves a little bit right now with this going on probably does go back to the fact that they screwed up in the last bargaining agreement. They gave too much to the owners and didn't argue enough for the things that really mattered. I think that's yeah, there's, there's a lot of self-preservation going on there. Um, particularly with the, I, and I, I don't, I don't blame them for that. I'm just saying it's it's still – I don't know if – even if it's self-preservation, I don't know if they're necessarily still making the right decisions on that. I think they still – I, I agree, and I do think it does go back to the past CBA. Um, and, you know, I think it's concerns with the future one too because they know maybe there's going to be a strike in the future, so uh, why not get a guaranteed payday now? But uh, I think, you know, you have to have the long view in mind. They talk about um, being concerned with the future of, of the minor leaguers and then turn around and do that. But how many players are turning around and doing things like Sinsu Chu, who donated $1,000 to each player, and Adam Wainwright, who donated 250000 to all the uh, Cardinals minor league players. And I think there was another player that did something similar. Um, you know, I applaud guys for, for thinking of the minor leaguers, for remembering where they've came from, remembering their roots, and remembering what it takes to get to the big show. Um I think that that uh, that's something that is kind of getting lost in all of this is remembering where you came from and how you got there and, and paying your dues. And, um, you know, I, I can understand the fear of and, and the insecurity of not knowing the future and afraid that they're going to face further reductions. But to me, I, I think players and teams, teams are going to wait the players out. I mean, you have Yazel League who is – a free agent still, he's not gotten paid yet. You know, um, there are other guys that are, are worth signing to that could be uh, depth options for teams that still remain on sign. So some free agents are, are still sitting out there waiting for a payday. And I think having seen what had happened with some of these other guys who, who were late signs, uh, Dallas Keuchel last year and a couple of the other guys the years before, you know, maybe that's, coming into play with it now too so maybe this is where it's affecting the the future of the game but it it definitely concerning i would rather see some of these young talented athletes um i would hate to lose a a joe adele type prospect who could end up playing i don't know safety or wide receiver or or whatever he was in, in football um but you lose those type of talents now to me and they'll end up going and playing in the NFL, they'll end up going to college and playing at LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, you know. Um, and, and Major League Baseball is mm-hmm. going to lose these guys. 
And, and that's where I think this is going to affect the game long term. That's a really good point, actually. I think you could be losing future. It's, I think it's already bad enough. Like when you have guys like um, Kyler Murray, you know, who already who went to play baseball, took the money from the A's, um, and said he was going to not play football, and then decided the payday for football was too good to pass up, and he gave yeah. some of that signing bonus back. Um, and he made the right call for him, for sure. But I mean, wouldn't baseball potentially be more fun with Kyler Murray? I mean, I think baseball would be better Absolutely. off with an athlete like that. I don't think it's I don't think it's better off with Tim <laughs> Tebow, but I think it's better off with, uh, you know, like you said, Joe Adele or Mike Trout or whoever. If those guys feel like they don't have a seat at the table and they're going to get screwed four years down the road, or, um, you know, they're not they're going to go in making twenty thousand yeah. dollars a year at best. Um, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna choose to go beat their body up for three years of college football and go pro yeah. if they can, um, and, and secure the early payday. And then, I don't know. I just don't. I don't get. It. I think baseball already has enough of an identity problem, and now they have all. I mean, this didn't really help them. It doesn't help anybody, obviously. And and we all know sports is is pretty low in the totem pole as far as the problems this is presenting. Um, but, you know, it is a big part of our world. It's a big part of our economy, and it's a big part of, um, you know, just the cycle of everything in life and distractions and some entertainment. And um, baseball is doing nothing to help itself during this time. I think everything they've done has only been damaging. I don't think it, – it's so I, – I, I can't see any decision they've made over this to be a good one other than the fact they, you know, canceled spring training when they did. Um that's about the only good decision they really made in all this, at least from a um, administration. I, I think point. you could say one of the worst off seasons in memory for Major League Baseball, uh, between the Astros debacle, even including the Red Sox, uh, who have pending punishment coming down, and then now you have this with the draft and and the coronavirus canceling at least part of the season. Um, potentially half of it, you know, it, who knows what the future holds uh, at this point. Um, hopefully we will see some games. It sounds like there'll be various uh, opportunities, possibly late summer into the fall. And who knows, maybe early winter, it sounds like too. Uh, these players are motivated to play for a, for a payday. So because their salaries are going to be prorated, the more games they play, the more money they make, you know, um, Hopefully we see something uh, at least a half of a season. I, I said in our previous podcast that uh, I, I thought maybe July would be a good day to, to aim at right now uh, because of spring training and, and the fire up that the uh, players would need, the pitchers in particular. Um, but I, I don't think this has been a good off season for Major League Baseball and for minor leaguers. And, and amateurs in high school and in college who have a future in the pros, I think their futures has been dramatically limited and affected not only by this virus, but, but by Major League Baseball and the Players Association itself. See, I, I would disagree with that. I actually think baseball had a great offseason. More money was spent um, in free agents than the year before. So I think from that aspect, it was good. Um, I also think, I mean, for as bad as the cheating scandal was with the Astros, um, like I said, I turned on ESPN, I turned on PTI. That's true, I didn't think shows. of it that way. They were talking about baseball. 
I think from a promotion standpoint, people are talking about baseball more than ever. So I don't think it was a bad off season for them. I think at least people are talking about them in the winter, which to me, like I said, to me, almost doesn't doesn't happen enough. I don't see baseball being talked about in the off season the way it was this off season. You're right about it was yeah. Because because you would usually hear more uh, NFL draft talk and hear more about the Super Bowl, but I heard more about the Astro scandal during the Super Bowl and the lead up to the Super Bowl than I did, you know, the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I think you do make a valid point there. Um, but I do think baseball's kind of taken a couple of black eyes with the scandal and how it was handled and man and Manfred's comments too about it just being a piece of metal regarding the the World Series championship and. Um, you know, it just, to me, it shows how out of touch he is. Well, oh, he, he, I mean, you can't really factor him into this because I think we all agree he is kind of baseball's public enemy <laughs> number one right now. I don't want to say public enemy number one, but um, he's his own, own yes. problem. If you ask me, I think he's his own problem with the sport. So that's a whole different situation. But like I said, you turned on anything on ESPN, like ESPN, I started this ESPN daily podcast with Mina Kimes who really doesn't do baseball on her own. And, and outside of the baseball podcast, they do, um, they really don't do baseball on most of their stuff anyway. And, you know, almost every day on that podcast, they had um, Jeff Passan on and ESPN hired Jeff Passan this past year. That was a great thing. Like they lost Keith Law, they lost, uh, a lot of good writers in the past to the athletic or just layoffs. And they went and hired Jeff, Jeff Passan. But um, the fact they had baseball on so much over that was unbelievable to me. And that had nothing to do with Rob other than, you know, Rob Manfred's <laughs> stupid comments, but uh, you know, but even those at least gave people something to talk about. He just enraged fans. It's almost like, it's almost like, yeah, I mean, hey, at least it gave people a common enemy to talk about, which that's fine. You know, if that's if that's the role he has to play to get content out there, maybe. Just the problem is the other choices he's making are hurting baseball. And just like you said, not letting a good crisis go, what you, would you say, un- yes. go to waste? Not letting a good crisis go to waste. Yep. That's exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening, unfortunately. That's, that's just unfortunate what's going on. They're not letting a good crisis go to waste. But, I mean, we've gone on forever about that. Uh, I know you did have some other stuff in the draft you wanted to talk about. Um, <clears throat> MLB, or I'm sorry, Baseball America did have a breakdown of the draft pool. If it was 10 rounds, the Indians would have in 11 picks in 10 rounds, um, if you include the comp picks, um, 8,551,100. And in a five-round draft, they would have um, a little over seven and a half million. I do think, and I wanted to I get your opinion on this. I wanted to get to this before we drug on too long, which we already did, but we wanted to get some other stuff before the end of this. Um, you know, that 20K signing bonus that people can offer for non-drafted free agents, I do think a lot of more, more kids will go to college because of that. But I also – it's going to hurt and help the Indians in some way because, okay, so everybody's capped at 20K. You can't – pay anybody past round 11 you can't pay non-drafted free agents any more than 10k right so or 20k (laughs) so that actually puts the indians on a level playing field so these kids can decide if they are willing to sign for 20k 
and however much they're going to get, if they're going to get it all right away or not, I think they would get it all My right away. My understanding, the uh, 20, 20K um, bonuses would be paid now. Okay, so that's good. Um, that's good to me anyway. So you would have that. To, and and, and for, from a pitching standpoint, the Indians can leverage, um, you know, their um, – their pitching development. They can go out and say, well, look at all these pitchers. We've turned into major league pitchers. We, we know how to develop pitchers. They can get more guys to come and sign on them. It's almost like recruiting, you know, and, and instead of, instead of at, trying to get a non-drafted free agent after a 40 round draft to sign with you, it's after round 10. It's just a matter if they want the 20 K or not. So in some respects that does help the Indians. And I, I hate the way it does help them because, you know, it allows them to be unfortunately a little bit cheaper <laughs> than they already are. Um, but, I mean, at least they can, they're on even ground with some of those guys. I would think a lot of those kids will go to JUCO or go to their, maintain their four-year commitment because the Indians have signed guys in the 10th round before um, from away from college. Like Eric Haas was a 10th-round pick, I think, and he was committed to Ohio State, and they signed him out of that. So I think that's the way most kids will go, but at least they're on a level playing field, I guess, with the Yankees and whoever else, and they can pitch their player development for pitching um, a little bit in that respect. Obviously, the Yankees can and the Dodgers can pitch a little more because they have more money for them to give in the future, and um, you know a little more money to a little better of a of a player development pipeline because they have the money to put into it. But or they're putting the money into it, I should say. But um, I do think that's an interesting. I I, I definitely agree with you. I, I think that you can capture some talented players by recruiting them and and pointing out, like you said, hey, we are we have a, a pitching pipeline right now. We've got all of these players that we've produced that are near major league ready, that are in the upper minors, that they were able to, to find a few glitches in your mechanics and we can smooth those out and, and get you sailing and possibly end up, you know, developing a reliever or maybe another pitching, uh, uh, another starter. Um, who knows, you know, um, I, I, there's one thing I wanted to mention also affected by this is the uh, July 2nd signings. These guys are going to have their um, holiday, so to speak, because this is a a huge day in Latin America. Um, A lot of the players are excited to sign on July 2nd. It's a big thing for them, and it's a big thing for their families because it it means escaping poverty for for lots of folks. And they're going to be dramatically impacted because they're going to have to wait to at least – or well, at the latest, January the fifteenth of twenty twenty one, and in each period this year and then next year's period can be pushed back too. So these guys are, are, you know, expected to keep these agreements with these teams for hundreds and hundreds of thousands, others millions of dollars. Your, your premier players are, are going to get millions, um, but they're expected to keep an agreement that the owners aren't willing to live up to at this point. They're they're pushing those kids paydays back. And I think that is shameful too. Um, I think that's worth mentioning because the Indians have a lot of minor leaguers in the lower levels right now where they've done a a fantastic job of signing international uh, players here recently. Uh, George Valera, Aaron Bracho, Brian Rocchio, just to name a few guys. And then other guys that are going to come up through the system, Jose Pastrano, Angel Martinez, um, Jose Tena, um, guys that are getting a lot of attention, Carlos Vargas, Luis Cervedo, um, players that were all international signings. Some of them, you know, got millions. Some of them got, I think, $50,000 or, or whatever the case may be. 
you know, but these guys are going to be affected by these minor team cuts. They're going to be affected by these players that are coming in. And my first thought is with these undrafted free agents, where, where are teams going to put them? Where are they going to go to if there's less teams? So maybe a lot of these guys aren't even going to get signed for $20,000. Maybe just teams that say, Hey, we can, we can turn this guy into a left-handed reliever and we'll, we'll push you through the minor leagues quick and get you up and get you a nice payday really quick. So maybe there's going to be some shady stuff going on on the side. That's something that, you know, has kind of occurred to me that, you know, there may not be jobs for some of these guys that are, are going to be offered or that could potentially be offered. And, and to me, that pushes more talent to school that probably doesn't want to be there. And, and, and it, with a 20 draft, uh, a 20 round draft next year, um, you know, it's going to create a bottleneck of talent. A lot of guys are going to end up at JUCO. They're going to end up back at school and they're, they're going to be, they're going to be competing for a payday that may not be there for them. And, and I think that's where major league baseball is pushing them to leverage them and say, you know, take less money now. And you may see some guys that sign for 20 K end up being major leaguers. Yeah, that's not, that's another point too. And it, and they're even, like you said, they're even more worse off than draft pack, draft picks. I mean, those kids come from, from rougher areas and other countries that are more disadvantaged. And not only that, like you said, it's very shady. You're, you're paying trainers to put you in showcases. You're paying trainers to hook you up with teams. And like you said, you're expecting them to hold their yep. agreements with people. Like we know, we know what they're doing. We know these teams are agreeing to contracts with kids before they're legally allowed to. It's just, you know, the Braves were the one team. And I think the Red Sox were two teams that were just blatant enough to get caught or brazen enough to get caught doing these things. Um, and now you're expecting the players to just hold their agreements with all this going on and, and expecting them to not get their money and other stuff. So yeah, there's just whole, there's a whole, I'm sorry, the, the business end of this is just not holding up very well. And you're making yourself look bad optics wise from the visibility of the sport um, going forward. And in this downtime, but also with future players and, I guess the one thing they can point to is probably no one's paying attention to that besides people like uh, people <laughs> like us, like reporters for Baseball America, like no one's in and, and the athletic, no one's really paying attention to that stuff besides us. So maybe they can say, well, they're just a few voices. There's not a lot. It's not like, like, could you imagine the NFL being like, well, instead of seven rounds, we're going to do four and um, non-drafted free agents, you know, can't get paid more than a, you know, $20,000 like people are looking at the NFL and be like are you crazy are you stupid in the NFL no one would let the NFL get away with that so let's, the NFL. I don't know why baseball let's use this for real perspective sake the major league baseball is talking about reducing 85% of the draft so let's reduce 85% of the NFL draft you reduce 85% of the NFL draft you have one round so I, I think 15% per uh, puts it at 105, so that would be one round of the NFL draft. And I think fans would be outraged if there was only one round of the of the NFL draft. And, and I think that's part of where MLB has gone wrong. Of course, the draft in, in Major League Baseball is entirely different because you have all of these players who aren't known or they're not known as well. But I think that's part of the 
marketing problem that MLB has too, is they're not out there marketing the game. They're not out there marketing these amateurs who are coming into the game, which they could do. Um, as I've said and, and talked about already, you know, I, I think that they're missing, they're missing the mark. They're missing an opportunity to promote the game. And as I said, in, to me, Major League Baseball is a grassroots. You start with the fans at the, at the lowest level. You get those emotional connections with the players that you see coming up and, and you want to see them play in the major leagues. And some days you do, sometimes you do, you see guys be very successful. Um, I think that's where you get baseball fans for life. Yeah, and I agree. And that, and <clears throat> we should wrap this up, but that's kind of the whole main theme to me in this is that this is eventually going to lead to the elimination of the Mahoning Valley scrappers of probably the short season leagues. I think you'll see each team have one complex league and then you'll have, you'll have, you know, the Dominican summer league, you'll have the Arizona rookie league, with just one team you'll have, you'll probably get rid of the pioneer league or whatever you'll, and you'll, or you'll move teams in the different leagues. You'll get rid of the New York Penn league maybe, or you'll shift those teams into different things. <clears throat> and anything above that to me probably survives this. I think in, in major league, um, Low a, Major League Baseball appears point. to hope that these teams, let's use Mahoning Valley, the Scrappers, as an example. Um, they become an independent league team, and they they end up developing guys who are coming in from college. And, and essentially, they are a independent team, but they are fielding players that they would have been fielding, you know, otherwise, but without Major League Baseball support. Yeah, exactly. Paying them. Right, so you're just using them as a as a farm system, without paying them the benefit. Right, so the tier continues to, it's it, that's, I don't know, is it a monopoly? I don't. That's not really a definition of monopoly, but you're sure, you're trying to <laughs> have your cake and eat it too. Yep. That's as far as I can, as far as I can look at it. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too, but and I think they're going to get their way. I think, I, sadly, right now, if you ask me, have we seen the last time? the Mahoney Valley Scrappers take the field with Indians prospects. Yes. I, I don't think you're going to ever see another Mahoney Valley Scrappers game with Indians prospects. If you ask me today, that could change, but April 2nd, 2020, unfortunately, I think Eastwood field will have a different look um, the next time they have a game on there involving I... professional baseball players. That's sad. I love, I love that park. Um, for where I live, it's not a great drive. I don't love where it's located in that little mall area because it makes traffic kind of a pain sometimes. But um, the four or five times I've been there, I regret not being there more. Uh, I've always had a great experience. I like the press box there because it's right. Uh, it's basically just the indoor part of the bleachers. It's just the fans are right in front of you. It's a good view. I love the backdrop with the, the trees. It's a really nice stadium. It's a really nice community. And, um, there's a lot of ballparks around minor league baseball and a lot of good owners and people who work there and fans that uh, unfortunately probably won't get to see a game there ever again. And they didn't even know it. They thought maybe 2020 yep. they'd see games and have a chance to fight to keep it. Um, and you know, guys like, um, try to think who was it? Was it, uh, one of our representatives not to get political, but Sherrod Brown or was it Tim Ryan who was in Congress a couple months ago fighting, to keep, you know, I believe it was Tim Ryan part of minor league baseball. Um, yeah, because Tim Ryan's the representative over there, and he—I remember watching the video. And I'm like, that's cool. You know, this guy is on their side. That's great. 
Um, I usually don't like mixing sports and politics in that respect because obviously politicians have a lot more to deal with than sports. But I mean, it was nice to see them fighting to keep this and not let baseball kind of just, you know, stomp all over them. Um, but unfortunately they have bigger things to deal with now. And I don't think anybody in Congress is going to be worried about Mahoney Valley scrappers and maybe rightfully so, but, um, yeah, I think it just stinks to think that you're not going to see another game at Eastwood Field um, the way you've seen it the last however many years yeah. they've been there. And and remember it's now, not it's just the end, potentially the end um, of an era there in, in Mahoning Valley with the Scrappers, but it's also the economic impact on these families and the, the team employees from the top to the bottom, um, from janitors to, to the general manager, you know. Um, everyone in between, their families and everyone will be impacted by this economically. And it's it's a shame. Um, I hope that we're wrong. I hope that there's a miracle. I hope that something happens to to keep them in the game. I, I love and enjoy the Scrappers. Um, but it's my fear that we may have seen the last of the Scrappers uh, as an Indians affiliate. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. Well, we've gone about an hour here. I don't know who's still listening, but if you are, God bless. And uh, thanks for listening, however long you listen. Um, we're going to come back next week with another one. We're going to talk about uh, the impact of the <clears throat> Major League Baseball deal on the season. We're going to go ahead and give our predictions anyway for the Major League season, just because, I don't know, I had them done. I've got them jotted down. Or you were thinking about them. Um, yeah, I had mine done the second week of, uh, of spring training. I already had predict predicted what I was going to do. So we're going to go ahead and do those anyway next time, along with, um, you know, what the virus and the, um, the agreement of the players and the Major League Baseball, what it has, how it has effect on the Indians in the Major League Baseball season. We'll throw some other things in there, too. Um, in the meantime, you know, feel free to check out our new website, IBI, IndiansBaseballInsider.com is up and running. It's on a new platform. We're using WordPress. Um, everything that's been written in 2020 so far um, is over there, which is just me and you at this point. No one else has written anything. Um, so hopefully we'll get some of the gang back together to contribute going forward. Um, that's about it. No, nope, just everyone uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, stay indoors. Well, well shelter in place and uh, let's hope and pray that this passes quickly and uh, that we have a bright future on the other side of that. I, I think that's the best that we can hope for right now and whatever that may hold, I'm just wishing everyone the best right now and uh, go tribe. I'll end with that. I agree. Go tribe, stay safe, protect you know, watch out for your family, your neighbors, everybody else. And, uh, Protect everybody you can, keep everybody safe, and uh, keep reading, keep listening. We'll be back with more content. So thanks for everybody who supported the move to the new site and who enjoyed the old site. I hope, we're, hope you're uh, joining along in the new site as well. Let us know if you have any feedback, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. Okay. I